0: Hey everybody, my name is Dave, and on the Writerly Lifestyle Podcast, we're gonna explore the strategies and tools that help writers and creatives live happier, richer, more productive lives. We're here to prove that writing careers are more than hobbies and that making a good living isn't just possible, it's probable. We're gonna do this through interviews, articles, tutorials, reviews, and more, so be sure to subscribe to join the Writerly Lifestyle community because you're not going to want to miss this. Welcome to part two of this awesome interview with Bennett Pellington. Today, we're gonna be talking to Bennett The award winning writer, director, and producer of Miner's Mountain. The short film is on YouTube, and you really need to check it out. I've linked to it in the show notes. In part two of this interview, we dive into Bennett's origin story. We'll answer questions like, do liars make good writers? And we discuss the realities of pursuing a creative career. Cue the music. backtrack a little bit and let's talk about how you got started in the film industry like when you decided to wanted to make films what that process was like
1: you know i i think it really all kind of comes back to i wanted to play baseball i played baseball since i was like two until the teens i'm from ohio so obviously it gets very cold in ohio but uh when we moved down here to north carolina in 2000 you know they had year-round baseball which i wasn't used to so i think i don't know maybe it was just i got burnout or whatever i'm not sure but the short story is when I was younger, like elementary, middle school, it's kind of sad, but probably not a great thing to say, but I was kind of good at lying. My dad and mom, they got a call one time from one of my teachers saying like, uh, you know, we love Ben and this and that and the other, but would you talk to him about, um, standing up in the middle of the class and like telling stories? Cause apparently I'd just like ramble and start making stuff up on the spot, um, and my dad kinda of said something that still stuck with me to uh today, which was like instead of like lying to people and hurting someone's feelings or making your own self-worth look bad by lying. Tell them the truth and instead take your lies and these, you know, fibs that you come up with and and write them down. Tell their stories that way. So got a little handheld camera when I was a kid and shot a bunch of little stuff with neighborhood buddies. And when I really decided, I think I was around 16 or 17, that I was like, "Ah, I'm going to make, I want to make movies. My senior project thesis in high school, I made a movie. And a bunch of the local crew in Wilmington were really kind and like donated their time and talents and and a lot of um the red had like just come out in like two thousand eight or something like that or 07. so anyway, long story short yeah we made we we made a little movie as my senior project thesis, and uh yeah, just caught the bug, yeah just did whatever I could to work on set and yeah. learn tell my own stories
0: that's really cool, um because yeah, i I mean growing up, I feel like. Uh, I didn't have anyone in my circle who was working with Stories for a Living. I was kind of always interested, but didn't understand how to get into mm-hmm. it. And um, you know, what was your experience like when you decided to jump in? Were people supportive? Did you hear a lot of like, how are you going to make money doing that? Like, how did that go for you?
1: Yeah, you kind of get thrown all of it, right? It's kind of, you get those where it's like, oh, that's a nice hobby. And you get those where it's, you know, good luck with that. and And then you get those who who work at it full time and some people are just burnt out, you know, and I can't blame them. Some people are just kind of like, don't do this. Uh, you know, go find a regular job and get a house and a family. And, you know, I look back now and I'm like, oh, maybe, <laughs> no, maybe that wasn't so bad advice. But, um, and then you get other people who you meet, who, uh, who are just as enthused as you, you know, and you kind of all rub shoulders and, and help each other out on projects and, and, you know, just snowballs, you know, it's all about just trying to get that little tiny snowball at the top of the hill to roll down. And as it rolls down, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So there's a lot of naysayers, a lot of, a lot of hard years of seeing a lot of, a lot of your friends and people, you know, go off and get, you know, practical jobs, you know, as realtors or, or contractors, whatever, um, 25 years old, 24 years old. And yeah, you work in the film industry when you can, <laughs> when you get hired, but also these other people are like some already own or, or their own realty business and, and are doing great you know and so that can be a little disheartening kind of where it's like ah do i just give up and go do the probably the right thing you know which is like go and find a a a job that'll you know nine to five and or do i just keep trying to truck along on this ridiculous film journey (laughs) and i don't mean to sound negative i just know that it is really stupid hard, you know And a lot of people always say, oh, it's about who you know. Mm -hmm. But I I think it's more about who knows you because like, yeah, you can know a lot of people and reach out and sometimes it'll pay off. Sometimes it doesn't. But like, what was it? Remember that movie so many years ago? It was about like that tire that like would it, it had like telekinesis and it would like explode people. Or something. It no. was some ridiculous movie. I never even saw it, but I just remember there's getting all this hype over this movie about a killing tire. And I kind of compare that to, again, like instead of who you know, who knows you, mm-hmm. right? So if that guy's at a party and he's like, oh, I'm so and so, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And he's like, I did that tire movie. And people are like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, I heard about that. That's awesome. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's talk. So I don't know. I think after a while, you just kind of put your head down and and, and take what you get you know, and then over time you just build a, a Rolodex of people who you trust and who trust you and know your work ethic. And, and, uh, yeah, so I'm just blabbing again.
0: Right. No, I mean, I think that's, I think that's good. I, I feel like, uh, it's a good thing to think about especially i feel like the for whatever reason the film industry feels very much like it's about leveraging relationships and it's about uh and i think you mentioned this like you have a writing partner like someone to kind of keep you engaged in the in that uh the film world i feel like is uh is important um absolutely yeah yeah and do you do you have a sense i mean the people you work with are they all in their twenties? Are they, there's some people who are older or, or people you really feel like are mostly there when they're younger and, and kind of either leave or, or make it big time?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, it's hard to say, cause it's a very vast, such a vast industry. You know, there's, there's plenty of people who are, are younger who are just coming up and, mm-hmm. you know, you see a little bit of, of yourself in them when you were green, you know, and, and yeah. working your way around. But I think, I think for at least, my experience the majority down here is probably between the mid to late 20s to the mid to late 40s maybe even early 50s and whatnot and that's just that's crew wise though you know i feel like there's uh i don't know that's a really tough question it's kind of sparse it's just really sparsed out yeah you know there's plenty of young kids or uh, young adults trying to break in and start out as the pa and blah 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 And, and many of them succeed in that and you know who are now Already climbing the ranks as a key set PA or first team PA, you know, within a couple of years, just when it gets super busy, you just need people, you know, right. and someone gives you the sh- a shot and if you do all right, then
0: it's yeah. kind of what you start taking, you know, so. Huh. That's interesting. What advice would you give to an aspiring filmmaker?
1: I think just resilience, right? Just, um, just don't give up miss that I know it's so cliche, but if you just keep powering through, you know, if you, if you believe in the story you're trying to tell or. If you're, you know, if you're a cinematographer and totally immersing yourself and learning that craft, and then even pushing it further to like, now that you've, everyone knows you can shoot something that looks beautiful, but now immerse into the psyche of like story, right? Trying to understand why are we pushing in here? What Why, why not use this lens instead of this lens? When to hold you close up? It becomes such a wonderful collaboration that I think if you just really stick it out, and and if you can find yourself working alongside others that inspire you who are better than you, it can really become a beautiful relationship in many ways because you're gonna learn a lot from them. Um, but if you wanna if you wanna act like a hotshot, then that's not really gonna not really gonna get you anywhere. You know, people can see that coming from a mile away. You know, and I think a lot of us have, probably done it once or twice and got bit in the ass for it. And
0: Do you see that a lot in the uh, film industry? People coming in thinking they're just younger, younger uh, generations,
1: you know, because, you know, they go to film school or they don't either way, they've been making films and they've had like one, something that did good at a couple festivals mm-hmm. or whatever, or, or went on YouTube and had some hits, you know, and then, um, and then they get to set and they're not, I don't want to say important because everyone on set is very, very important. Um, but they're not in the spotlight. They're not the director. So it can be a little uh, humbling, (laughs) you know, and I think some people want to keep riding that wave a little bit and you can, but I think eventually
0: it wears off. Yeah. So I I imagine a lot of people uh, feel like they need to live in like New York city or LA or even, you know, North Carolina, where there's like this, like large hub. What about the people who uh, are living outside these areas? I mean, what, any suggestions for um, what they could do to to stay engaged or, or to start a film career?
1: You know, plenty of people say you have to be in a, in a larger hub. And like, I'm sure that definitely helps because there's more people around you that are interested in similar things. So, yeah, I'm sure that helps. But I think it really just comes down to like the story that you and your friends or your crew or your cast like the story that you guys want to tell I, a lot of people say oh we well, got 4k on your cell phone and stuff and blah blah blah. and i've tried shooting on my cell phone and i can't stand it uh maybe i'm just i don't know i've just gotten lucky i've gotten to work with some really great camera operators and dps with really nice cameras so i think the big thing is like just focusing on, on the story you want to tell and go make it you know because who hasn't seen a movie that looks exactly like the same movie you just mm-hmm. watched a month ago? It's set in L.A. A guy in L.A. has to see the world, or it's in New York, and blah blah blah. You know, but I'd say to people who are not in one of those large hubs, to use the locations to your advantage you know, and, and to go capture picturesque settings and light. And if you're a late nighter, you know, sleep in a lot, well then maybe use that to your advantage where you stay up extra late and go get a sunrise shot, you know, silhouette with your two actors. Or if you're an early riser, same thing, wake up just a little a little earlier than usual and go. I just think there's so many advantages to filmmaking, regardless of certain gear, because you can always go rent it online you might just have to put in some extra hours of work to have that money on the side to be able to lens pro to go or whatever, and rent some gear. And I I still think at the end of the day, though, it comes down to like the story you want to tell and making sure that it's a, a cohesive story that, uh, has a beginning, middle, and, uh, uh, an end. I say that like loosely because, you know, I, I think myself and many people fall victim to wanting to leave that, uh, I mean Miners Mountain does it, right? The the um cliffhanger. Right. Put kind of a vague ending. But honestly, if you can if you can just tell a beginning, middle, and end, don't do a, don't do Miners Mountain. <laughs> <Just> tell, <laughs> give it an ending.
0: Uh
1: then you know, and if it's entertaining and people are gonna really enjoy it and respond to it, you know. Um, I think that's the best advice I could give there, you know, just
0: yeah, I really saw that in Miner's Mountain, especially I think you like kind of open with the setting and, and end with the setting as well. It's kind of like drone shots mm-hmm. um, over and I, I feel like that really just set. Yeah, obviously, the, the, it set the setting. But like, I, I think it it really added something to that story is that the setting and um I, I really it kind of resonated with me when you were talking about wherever you are, just use that to your advantage. And I really feel like Obviously, that story could never be set in L.A. or New York or, you no. know, um, these large hubs. So I thought, um, that, you know, that that those that feeling of like feeling very small um, in that like large forest, uh, yeah. Miners Mountain, really added to the tension of that story. I feel oh, like. I'm so glad, man. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I
1: I wanted to I wanted it just to start off um, one showing the environment, like you said, so that we know no. where we are. Uh, there's very little people out here, you know, and just seeing a cop light or a cop car with lights mm-hmm. on from a really far away kind of bird's eye perspective. It's just, I don't know, it just felt a little creepy to me all alone. And and the other thing too, is I, I, wanted to, I wanted, I didn't want people to click on Miner's mountain and just think it's another regular short film, even though we were using really wonderful equipment and whatnot, that first shot really makes an impact as to okay, this is different there. I don't want to use the term like big budget or anything like that. Cause we didn't have a large budget, but I just wanted people to feel, you know, this is different. Oh, this is on YouTube. You know, uh, that's, that's okay. Well, all right. I'll watch the next shot, you know? And then I just, mm-hmm. what I hoped was that it would, like each shot would just make you want to watch for the next shot and then the next shot. And then yeah. once the story starts being told, just slowly continue to rope you in.
0: Yeah. I mean, what what uh, benefit do you feel like you have with technology? You know, with drones and things like that. Is that stuff that that just has really upped the game for for yeah. filmmaking?
1: Hundred percent, man. 100%. You used to need a
0: helicopter, right? I mean, oh well, yeah, back in the day, you know, a
1: helicopter with the pilot, and then yeah. to get the the full rig on there, like, yeah, I don't know, if people got a hundred thousand dollars to throw <laughs> stuff like that, but uh, yeah, with drones, like, it's just so, and plus stock footage too. Like, yeah. there's so many great stock footage sites. Like, that first yeah. shot is stock footage.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, we I didn't really. shoot that. That was something oh, that's, cool. that's not
1: a cop car. I had to go in there and painstakingly roto it and put the lights Did on there. Really? And turn it from a day shot to um, day for night. Wow. Yeah, so the very end shot is our own drone shots. So yeah. We had some wonderful drone operators here in Wilmington. Then I had some, a guy, out, uh, uh, this guy Wilkin, out in, in Asheville or maybe he's Boone. I can't remember exactly where he's at, but mm-hmm. he did kind of uh like when we do our drone shot, we come up and it's just Wilmington, North Carolina, we're at the beach. You know, there's mm-hmm. no mountains. So when it came up, I needed someone to do that same sort of move, but yeah. to have all the, all the, all the, the land and whatnot oh, yeah. and the, the forest and the trees. And then and visual effects, you know, they were able to splice those shots together and put the, the mountain range in there and whatnot. Um, but yeah, like, Trying to pull that off ten years ago, forget about it. Like that's that's ridiculous. You know, you can go buy a gimbal on your phone now and have essentially have a steadicam. Yeah. You know, and you can go buy a twelve hundred dollar drone and that shoots four K, and go shoot stuff like that. You know, on a cloudy day, like that's just easy production value. You know what I mean? Sell it for some stock footage. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's come a long, long way.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's it's true if you're using. You know the, all these things that are available to you now. It really does up the production quality, and it, and like I think you're saying, you know, it makes somebody stick around, mm-hmm. and make somebody watch for the next scene, um, and, and you know see what see what it's going to look like next. I, I think that's really true. Yeah, and and I, and, I, and,
1: I, and regardless though of like regardless of whether it looks that fantastic or not, I still hold true to like the writing. Writing has to be yeah. the number one. Like you have to have, even if it's not like good dialogue when you write it at least if you have a goal that way you, when you express that to the actors that they can make it their own. And, and, you know, if you don't feel confident in your dialogue writing, let them, you know, do a take where you get what's on the page or two takes, whatever, and then let them create from it, like what they want, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be word for word or whatever, just let it, let it happen. Cause then people aren't thinking about stuff. They're just living, you know? And when you get those moments, that's when, that's when you stop looking at the cinematography and blah, blah, blah. And you just get invested in what the character is saying. And that to me is, again, it's always about the script. Always, always, always about the text, you know, or again, at least having a goal with that text.
0: That's cool. I think too, film is one of those writing experiences where you know, it's going to be collaborative. And so as the person who's writing and directing and producing, when, how do you know when to step back and how do you know when to say like, no, let's do it like the script or let's, you know, go ahead, go with the way you feel. Like how, how do you know when to, to step in and when to step out?
1: So there's areas in writing I feel really confident in sometimes. And mainly, I guess not areas, mainly it's just like certain scenes I feel really confident in like okay. that scene, right? But nine times out of 10, uh, when you kind of just let the actor – do their thing. If you've cast it well, then it's going to be better than what you wrote anyway. So I've, I think it's more of like a development thing. You kind of find what works for you. Uh, for me, I found that I like to make sure that we have what we have on the page. Um, and then let the actors have a couple takes where they can play with it. (laughs) And uh, however they want to express the scene or if they don't want to say dialogue, I I think you're going to find a lot of it though, mainly when you're blocking. Oh, this will go towards the advice thing. Uh, Don't shoot and direct your short. (laughs)
0: Like
1: I love to shoot. I love to camera up, right? But like you just end up working on, on lighting and the camera the entire time anyway. And then when the actors are like, When all that's finally ready to go, the actor's like, all right, what do you want me to do? And it's like, you got it. You read the script, you know, and (laughs) And it's just like, no dude, like you got to spend as much time with them as you do with your camera technicians and your production design and blah, blah. So like find someone on camera so you can focus on the actors, right? Because where you're going to find, you know, what works in the scene, you're going to find that in blocking. You're going to find that in talking with the actors and like seeing how they like to move about the room. What is natural? You know, a lot of people like to block that out beforehand. And I think for some people that works really, really great. Um, I like to do a very rough diagram uh, because when I'm there on the day, it's just so much can change. So again, Mm. at least having a goal, that goal can change, but I'd rather have a goal and be prepared. And the actors then come up with something totally new that Mm. turns the scene this way from this way now. And you got to be able to, uh, you can't hold it too close. Mm. you can't you know what i mean like you you, you got to be able to kill your darlings a little bit yeah because if, if you're just holding on you're just going to suck the life out of it and it's not going to be
0: genuine you know and do you feel like in the moment you're comfortable doing that because that's like the tone you set or is that you know for your camera operators is that something that's stressful for them or they know that that's what we're going you're going with anyway
1: no i mean like i i try to I try to do a shot list for most things a lot of can a lot of dps and camera ops want to have a shot list and I totally right. get that but I'm finding more and more and more that I personally just there's certain shots that I know that I want to get and you know when you do a shot list it's like it's kind of the same thing you know mm-hmm. your wide your master right you know your two shot your overs your two profiles individual profiles or whatever you know what I mean like it's yeah. kind of all looks the same yeah. so i'll I, I'll shot list something or storyboard or do an animatic of something that is like labor intensive, but for a regular scene, yeah, I'm sure that some people may annoy because they may think you're not, you're not like prepared because they could, you know, they, at the end of the day, like a lot of crew just want to do their job and go home. Right. (laughs) So I can't blame them there. So you just kind of have to eat that a little bit. Mm. uh, As long as you're not wasting people's time. And if you make a good product then it'll be all right. But, uh, But, yeah, I like to kind of get there and, and be loose about what's uh, instead now the actor wants to go there. And then my DP or operator or operator might say, well, what if now instead of doing this, we do this and boom up and and you just kind of, you know, it's a it's it's like 3D chess.
0: Mm yeah. You know, it sounds miserable it, it can be but then when
1: like you know you get like halfway through a day and then one of those shots like just works out perfect like the acting the focus the sound like everything just hit perfectly and it's like ah okay
0: I'm totally
1: <laughs> ready to go another six hours the crew it man, may not be but I totally yeah right. right. <laughs>
0: So that's all for part two. Definitely check out part three, the final installment of this interview, where we talk about advice Bennett has for aspiring filmmakers and writers. If you want to know more about him, make sure you check out his information by following the links in the show notes.